It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3-on-3 Blazers. My name is Orlando, joined as always by Jared Cowley, Nate Hansen, and Max Barr on the ones and twos. It is so good to be back as we do this thing on Zoom, socially distant. And thank you guys so much for rocking with us, for finessing the subscribe button, for those positive reviews and for letting everyone know about the podcast. It really helps us out so much as we continue to make this podcast grow. We appreciate you, and thank you so much for rocking with us. Guys, we have reached all-star break, and the Portland Trailblazers head into it on a three-game win streak. They are 21-14. and Lots to be proud of if you ask the players themselves, although Dame still talks about the games that got away and thinks they should have won 22 or 23, and I'm sure we can get into that. But not a lot of people, I think, expected them to have this type of record to be in fifth place in the Western Conference standings without two of their best three players. But here they are um, with in a decent spot heading into the second half of the season, guys, on a three-game win streak. Before we even started this podcast, what a game against the Golden State Warriors, a game the, the Blazers really had no business winning, but... You can tap those wrists and check your watch because it was game time. The man showed up and delivered on both ends of the floor, scoring a dagger with about 14 seconds left on the clock and then seals the victory on the other end by taking a charge as Draymond Green goes full steam ahead and the Blazers hold on to win. And then a night later at the Moda Center, the Blazers do it again against the Kings. Lillard showing up in crunch time as the NBA's most clutch player, and the Blazers escape with a win, and Ennis Cantor has been spectacular. My boy Carmelo Anthony is getting big buckets. Just, I think, a lot of excitement around this team. And I, as Nate had mentioned off the podcast, this could have been such a letdown to go into the All-Star break had they lost that game to the Sacramento Kings. That didn't happen. They found a way to win because, well, let's be honest, Damian Lillard has been one of the best players in the NBA this season, and that's why we are 21-14. and 14 at the break. So guys, I want to get your initial reactions as the Blazers head into the all-star break on a three-game win streak. Nate, you are up, man. Dude, uh, I'm just really happy that the Blazers made us all sound smart a week later because last week we were on the podcast in the middle of the losing streak and we said, don't worry about it. It's a shooting slump. Things aren't going right for them. This happens. They'll write the ship. They'll be fine. 
They lose to the Lakers in what was one of the worst performances by the role players all year in that Lakers game when Dame got hurt and they absolutely needed help and no one could hit anything. But then we were right. It was a shooting slump. They got out of it, started making more buckets. That offense started clicking again, and they took care of business against teams that we thought they could take care of business with. And and they're still sitting again. We I feel like we do this every week where it's like, well, one week, we're one week closer to, to CJ and Nurt coming back and they're still in the fifth spot. Well, now we're at the all-star break and we're saying, well, they're still in the fifth spot in the West. So it's a, uh, it's a credit to this team. It's pretty remarkable what they've been able to, to do over the past two months. I mean, back in the middle of January, it felt like this all-star break was never going to come guys. I don't know if you felt that way <laughs> with, with how dire things look for the teams like the all-star break in March. Oh my gosh. We're going to be living in a different reality by then. And uh, the Blazers have kept us pretty much in the same reality. They're in the hunt in, in the West as we thought they would be. And, and we'll see what happens in the second half of the season. But I'm, I, back to the original point, I'm glad they made us actually sound like, we're ta- like we know what we're talking about. You know, it's nice to get that pat on the back from the team every now and then. Yeah, that's always a good thing. <laughs> Dame, he might want to talk about the the wins that got away, but I don't like, I was thinking about this last night. All I want to talk about is how great a first half of the season this has been because when CJ and Nurk got hurt, I think all of us thought that yes, they could tread water, but our, our thinking was that they were going to come into this all-star break right at 500 or even a little bit below 500. And they've exceeded all of our expectations. And I'd say probably the expectations of just about every single person out there, except for maybe Damian Lillard. And to be 21 and 14 at the break with all the injuries they they've gone through to have the, the best record after 35 games that this team has had in the past five years. I I mean, I I can't be anything but positive on this podcast, you know, throughout, it's just been a great first half. And I look, I really look forward to the second half of the season. I'm going to hold Jared to that positivity point. I don't want to hear any negative stuff from Jared here. No negativity at all today. It's good. It's good to have Jared back on board, man. Dude, I, I had to carry the torch for a few weeks. So now he's, he's retaking it from me. You're, you're welcome to have it back, Jared. No, I appreciate it. And Rip said he got a little bit of, of extra bonus news that was pretty positive when the day started uh, sending out a press release for both Yusuf Nurkic and CJ McCollum, letting us know that, you know, they're progressing as they recover from those injuries, the one noteworthy thing is that CJ McCollum has now been cleared for contact practice. Uh, before that, he was basically just shooting around and uh, doing what he can on that broken foot. But that is progress. Yusuf Nurkic continues to um, make strides, I believe was the word used in the, in the press release. So I think that that's all positive and that's going to be one of the big things that will continue to come up throughout this season and has for the past two years is injuries and whether or not they can get these two players back. So all, all in all, a, a very positive day and a positive way to close out the first half of the season. And you guys know how we roll. There's three questions. There's three of us. So we've got three answers for you. So let's dive right in. You guys have put together a, a nice list here. So we'll start with number one, and that is list your top three headlines to summarize the Blazers' first half of the season. Who wants to take this one on first? 
I imagine uh, we'll have a, at least a few of the same headlines or at least the same themes for our headlines. Uh, I'll start off and just name my first one. I, I tried to like make them from like most important to least important, in my opinion. Uh, and the top two, I couldn't, I went back and forth on what I thought was the most important, but I just overcoming injuries uh, was my number one. And Damian Lillard obviously is a big part of that, but I think he's his own headline in this question. But the rest of the team itself, the, they've had so many guys step up and deliver in key moments, whether it's been Carmelo Anthony, as we've seen over the last three games, hit big buckets when they need him to, whether it's Ennis Cantor last night having a 20-20 and then making key defensive stops at the end of the game against Sacramento, whether it's Gary Trent hitting six or seven threes a game, whether it's Derek Jones Jr. or Robert Covington coming up with big blocks in key moments in games. They've just had all these guys deliver at certain points. Anthony Simons had a couple game stretch where he averaged 20 points a game. You know, they've had so many guys contribute. And there are nine teams in the NBA right now with 20 or more wins. The Blazers are one of them. And ESPN has an expected win-loss at this point in the season. And of those nine teams with 20 wins, the Blazers are certainly the only one who's expected not to have a winning record at this point in the season. Their expected win-loss, according to ESPN, is 17 and 18, which is right where we thought they were going to be at this point two months ago. Uh, but the next closest team, in terms of the next worst expected worst record at this point, and of those teams that have 20 wins is Philadelphia and they're expected to be 23 and 12. And so the Blazers by, by that metric are significantly overachieving at this point of the season. And it's not just because Dame, he's been great, but there's been so many other guys who have stepped up for this team. Uh, so that was my first headline. Uh, I don't know if you guys want to step in and deliver your first ones. And we just go around the circle on this thing. Yeah, let's do that. Let's just do one headline at a time. Uh, my son just fell down. <laughs> That's not my headline. Um, he was playing a video doing it Zoom from home here, folks. Trips. <laughs> anyway. Oh man. Uh, my top. We're keeping headline. that in, by the way. Yeah, we're, we're definitely we're, we're, not editing that out. This is how it goes. That's part of the podcast, man. Do you want to say your son's name so everyone can roast him at from home? Yeah, it's Ryan. He's he's awesome. He was playing a little Fortnite. Ryan's awesome. He just had a little stumble there. Yep. Uh, anyway, my top headline is Blazers Lillard perseveres through adversity. And I tried to write these like actual headlines. Uh, for me, everything has to start with Dame. And it, it really goes far beyond just what Dame does on the court. If you have not read the article this week by Jason Quick in The Athletic about everything Damian Lillard has gone through this past year, you should definitely read it. Uh, last year, his cousin and his personal chef died and Lillard was the one who found his body. Uh, his aunt died from cancer. A family friend died of COVID. Uh, earlier this year, a cousin was killed in Oakland. And then last Thursday, right before the Lakers game, uh, Dame learned that a cousin uh, and a family friend were both killed. And that's, I mean, I can't even imagine just losing that, you know, that many family members, that many friends in such a short period of time. And this past year, has been really hard for everyone. You know, just personally, I think I can honestly say it's been the hardest year of my life, but people have lost so much this past year, you know, way too many loved ones. And you just know what Damian Lillard has gone through and how many family members and friends he's lost in the past year. 
my heart really goes out to him. Um, you know, he's a human being before he's a basketball player. I think we all look at Damian Lillard and know that he's a good human being. He's a good person. Um, and someone that you can root for beyond just what he does on the basketball court, but just as a, a as a person as well. Um, part of the article talks about one way Lillard has coped with the losses by strengthening his connection to his family, both his immediate family um, and his extended family. And for me, I love that because I think so many of us can relate to that. Uh, and the hardest times this past year for me, it's been my relationships with my wife, my kids, uh, my parents, my brothers, my in-laws that have buoyed me up. And I'm happy to know that Lillard has that connection with family to sustain him during a time like this. Um, and then I just wanted to say, I hope that Lillard knows how much he means to the fans of this team and this city. Uh, I remember when Nurk got hurt and the outpouring of love that was there from the entire city for Nurkic. He talked about how he noticed that and how he felt it. And I hope Dame can feel that love too. Because fans of this team, they're not his family, but there is this special kind of connection between a player as beloved as Damian Lillard and the fans that root for him. And I hope that eventually fans are able to get back into the Moda Center and show Dame just how much they love him. Um, aside from that, you know, Dame has been a monster on the court all season long throughout all of this that he's been going through, throughout the adversity that you've seen with the Blazers outside of his personal life. Um, he's the best clutch player in the NBA. He's the main reason the Blazers have punched so far above their station the first half of the season. He's one of the undisputed front runners for MVP this season. And I just can't say enough about Dame. And that, that article really, you know, struck a chord with me. So I just wanted to make sure that, that I mentioned that as part of the first half of the season, just what Dame's gone through in his personal life. Nailed it. That's uh, exactly where I would go. Damian Lillard is the biggest headline of the season so far. That bond, that connection that Dame has with the city is unlike any other. Before even getting into his personal life and the struggles that he's gone on and that ref how it reflects and that connection that many of us are going through as well is just unreal. But this is the first year where you really felt like, yeah, Dame is the greatest Portland Trailblazer of all time. Damian Lillard deserves to be in the MVP conversation league-wide. He's made that stride, and it's taken years and years to get to this point. Years of greatness and having to do the same thing over and over again. To be in Portland, Oregon, and still get the attention of those in New York, L.A., and so forth. I think is, is a huge accomplishment. And for him to outright say that I don't think there's been a player before him that has cherished wearing that Portland uniform the way he has is like the biggest I love you to this city and to this fan base. And the way that the fans have reciprocated is so special. And I think that Portland is so lucky to have a player of not only his caliber, but his character. As a member of the media who gets a chance to talk to him from time to time, one of the things that has always stood out to me when people ask me about Dame, the first thing that comes to mind is never, you know, how amazing it is to see him play or even getting to sit in the Moda Center next to you, Jared, when he hit the shot and waved goodbye to the Thunder. 
like those are all, th- th- that's a moment I will never forget. But the first thing that comes to mind when I think about Damian Lillard is the man that he is. And sometimes we ask some pretty stupid questions. Sometimes we, uh, you know, get the story wrong or whatever. And the patience that Dame has, the professionalism that he has when you speak to him, whether it's, you know, a, a super serious question or a fun one or just, you know, time and place, wrong question to ask. He's the same dude. Doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low, isn't a jerk, could be if he wanted to be, and we would still be covering him the same way. And I think that's what stands out the most to me. And I remember right before the bubble uh, last season, getting our first opportunity to talk to Dame when the pandemic had, had, had hit, sports went, went away, the, the world had shut down. And hearing him talk so candidly about the struggles that he was going through and, you know, seeing his, his personal chef, his cousin, um, you know, and really a brother to him dead on the ground and him speak to it and just how rough of a place he was at that point before we found out and had seen his Instagram page just filled with rest in peace over and over. Like, I'm just, I'm blown away with how he's been able to keep it together. And he had mentioned that, you know, his rock has been his family. Uh, when he talked about that, he said, they're the ones that are helping me get through all of this. And so I think that coupled with the love for basketball has been what he's relied on to get to this point. And so, as Jared mentioned, that connection is so real, more than it ever has been, between a player and its fan base. There is a a connection there. There is a relatability unlike any other. And as we continue to witness greatness on the court, remember how great Damian Lillard is off the court as well. Wow. So Uh, that's headline number one. Yeah. Uh, well, now I feel terrible for making that headline number two. Uh, I, 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 I'm literally speechless right now. I have, I now have no explanation. I have no justification for putting Dame time number two. Um, I'll just, you guys go to your second headlines. Everything you said was right. Dame time was my second headline. He's he, Orlando talked about, uh, you guys both talked about off the court and on the court. Obviously, the guy is not only a Hall of Fame basketball player, but a Hall of Fame person. Um, and we're, we've talked about Dame's prime, you know, the Blazers taking advantage of Dame's prime. You know, this could be the peak of his prime this season. I think it's fair to say he's doing the most he's ever. He's carried the Blazers a lot in his career. But I think you can say this is the largest weight he's had to carry. Uh, to lead the Blazers just to get to this point. And we're only halfway through the season, but the, the way he's playing right now, he's playing honestly like one of the top five players in the NBA and he, he's been phenomenal. And you're, you're right. I did. I did this a couple of weeks ago, guys. Remember I didn't learn. We were talking about what's the biggest reason why the Blazers are in their position. And I said, the role players have stepped up and then Dame went on his like MVP week the next week. And, you know, three weeks later, I didn't learn my lesson. I did it again, guys. I did it again. If you, if you asked Dame, he would credit the role players too. So you're just channeling Dame a little bit here with your answer. Yeah. And I mean, the Blazers, the Blazers are 14 and five this year in the clutch, the second best in the NBA. And it's because of Damian Lillard. 
So he was my second headline. You guys move on to to your to your second headline because I don't, I don't have anything better to add on to what you guys said. I just appreciated the the conversation about Dame. I think that a lot of times we've talked about this before. It's hard to like put Dame down as as one of the topics that that we choose each week on the podcast because you know what more can you say about him? Um, he's just yeah. I, I think that he is. He's if he's not now, he's going to go down as the greatest blazer in history and it's just such a privilege to be able to appreciate and enjoy every moment of his career uh, as a portland trailblazers fan or someone who who follows the trailblazers um moving on my second headline is trent jr and Cantor make up for absence of mccollum and nurkic um and i just you can't overstate how critical gary trent jr and ennis Cantor have been to the blazers success through these first 35 games uh, I'm on the record giving the majority of the credit to Dame, uh, and I stand by that. But the fact that the Blazers have been able to plug Trent Jr. and Cantor into the starting lineup and have very little drop-off from the production they were getting from C.J. McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic has been nearly as important. Um, you can't, you just can't say enough about how important their production has been. You know, Gary Trent Jr. has exceeded my expectations. Uh, Ennis Cantor has just been fantastic consistency all season long and they're they've been you know if if dame is number one there on that list of of who's responsible for what the blazers have done the first half of the season i'm putting trent jr and Cantor as number two it's good stuff uh i divided those into separate headlines so i think the top headline for me that i'm covering in most sports casts throughout the week on kgw is injuries and the injuries for this team, I feel like you could pick any year that I've, I've lived in, in Portland, Oregon, and somehow, some way, here we are as the Blazers suffer a significant injury. Someone is hurt again. So, so, so are you saying are you saying we should blame you for this? That's what I'm. <laughs> I don't hearing. know, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like I'm starting to believe that I have some type of jinx just in general because, like, I, you and I have joked about this in other sports. I was on a tear where every oh, yeah. coach uh, around the teams that we cover were leaving, getting fired or whatever. And I'm like, man, this has got to stop. I thought we had, we had that under control. And so here we are with Blazers injuries again. And so I think that that needs to be my, uh, that, my next Blazers game. injury was, <laughs> yeah. I was here long before you Orlando. <laughs> well, that's great, man. That, that, that makes me feel better because uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's like just, a part of being in Rib City, I guess, is, is injuries. And, and here we are again with, with CJ and Nurk and just how freakish, how random they are and how significant they've been uh, in terms of the, the, the players that, that are impacted by it. So between CJ going down and Nurkic going down within a couple of days, um, that, that's really my headline. But the other one would be how the guys around them have embraced it and stepped up and, and played a key role in getting 21 wins heading into the all-star break and, you know, having the, the best record that the team has had over the past six years getting to this point. And so I think there's, there's a lot of pride that goes into it. And as, as you guys have said, Ennis Cantor, man, has just been the real deal. He's been so good. Um, we know what we're getting from him. He's been Mr. Reliable, and I've also enjoyed seeing the, the progress that Gary Trent Jr. has made 
how he's continued to build on what we saw in the bubble, how when he's gotten more opportunity, he's taken advantage of that. And also that Carmelo Anthony isn't washed, that he still has game, that he can still contribute. We know, you know, what he's going to give up defensively. We, we know where he's at at this point in his career. But to have these games, to have these spurts where he's able to go off and draw double teams, I think that's more than most people believed outside of Carmelo Anthony fans who have just been super loyal to him. But the general public on, on Carmelo Anthony, he's been able to change the entire nar- narrative. And when he's been given those opportunities, generally has taken advantage of those and has made an impact on, in wins and losses, I believe. Those you know, close games that the Blazers are playing in, we're starting to you know, split hairs on why, why they win or lose these close games against teams that are at their level. And I think that the combination of those role players has been a big reason why they're in this position. Yeah, uh, you guys, I completely agree. Orlando, coming to my first point. There we go. There we yeah, go. Man. Give me some validation there. Yeah, I like all, that it's one. It's all full circle, brother. It's all uh, full circle. I like that one. Uh, I'll do. I'll go through my last headline real, real quickly here. Uh, I debated whether even just saying defense question mark should be a headline, but I decided to keep it positive here, guys. So I decided to go the Jared route and be positive for my third headline. And that was, and you guys have hit on it both with Gary Trent Jr., but just the development of the young guys uh, on this team. Uh, and Gary Trent Jr. is obviously the, the primary player we all think about. Um, but Anthony Simons, I mean, he's, he's still not consistently what you want him to be night in and night out, but he's certainly better than he was last year. Um, this three-point shooting has improved significantly uh, this year. And he's a guy that I feel if he's out there, you don't feel like you're just waiting for Damian Lillard to get back on the court because Anthony Simons is out there. Where last year, that would have been the case. There are games this year where Anthony Simons has helped the Blazers win games this year. And so that's a step forward in his career. And then of more recently, Nasir Little. Uh, I I think it's fair to say, I don't think any of us really expected him to play hardly any minutes this year with the depth of this team going into the season. And his three-point shooting improvement, he shot 24% from three last year. Then his shot looked terrible. And this year, he looks like a shooter. And he's shooting 46% from three. And he's still giving you the energy. He's a little bit smarter defensively than he was as a rookie. Last year, he was purely an energy guy. And you would take whatever that came with. It came with some fouls, but it would come with some rebounds, maybe some loose balls he'd go and get. Uh, But this year, he's actually a guy out there who's contributing and who has put himself in a position that even once everyone is healthy and back, Terry Stotts has got to consider whether he's a regular role player off the bench for the Blazers. He's been that good for them over the last couple of weeks. And so, you know, since the 2017 draft, which was the Zach Collins, Caleb Swanigan draft. And we can do a whole podcast just on that draft and the implications it's had on this team. But, <laughs> but let's focus on the positives here, guys. We're thinking positive. You know, since that draft, the players they've acquired uh, in, in the draft have been, you know, Simons and Trent Jr. in 2018. Those guys, to I think, thumbs up probably for both picks, especially given where they came from. Uh, Nasir Little in 2019, thumbs up, late first round pick. And then even CJ Ellaby, who they got in the past draft, has already had a CJ Ellaby game. And so uh, 
they're, they're having their, they needed development from their young players because of their cap situation. You need young players who aren't making a lot of money to be able to contribute. And they've gotten that this year. They're hoping to get it last year. They didn't, they're getting it this year. Yeah, that's a really good point. Especially when you look at those four players, each one of them late first round or second round picks. Um, and to get four players or three, we'll see with LB, but three players who can contribute to a playoff caliber team right now. That's, you know, at that point in the draft, that's all you can ask for. Uh, my Neil third O'Shea headline is getting a lot of love lately, man, on the podcast, Neil O'Shea, uh, getting, getting some props lately. Well, you know, when, when, team, right now. yeah, when the team is 21 and 14 still somehow, despite your second and third best players being out, then the roster around them is probably pretty good. And that's yep. the GM's job. And so he's getting some yep. credit. Yep. So I, I said, I was going to keep it positive on this podcast throughout oh, oh no headline is a positive headline but it oh. might it might promote a negative reaction from from some parts of the blazers fan base oh here yeah. we go my third headline this. is blazers play silences stots critics oh i like that i'm sure the anti-stots crowd still believes he's the wrong man for the job but if you've noticed they've been much less vocal about it because the blazers are just winning too much for any of their arguments to make sense right now uh, we've given Dame and the players around him a lot of credit for keeping this thing going through all the injuries this season, but I think Stotts deserves a lot of credit too. I think he's done really good work with the rotations this season, season finding players that fit together on the court and and complement each other. And I think the way he empowers players shouldn't be overlooked. I don't know if we'd see the same level of production from player, players like Trent Jr. and his canter, Carmelo Anthony, and many others on the team without Stotts making it so clear the level of confidence he has in them, confidence that people like us, members of the fan base, aren't always able to maintain. And I think that's proven in the fact that, like, with Ennis Cantor and Carmelo Anthony, they both came from situations where maybe they didn't have that from their coach. You know, Carmelo Anthony was cut by the Houston Rockets, was not, you know, able to perform as well with as he has with the Blazers when he was with the Rockets. And Ennis Cantor came off a season last year with the Celtics when he was coming off that Western Conference Finals appearance with the Blazers where he'd really played well. And he was just kind of a bit player for the Celtics last year and never really gained the confidence of, of his coach. And so I think that that's a, that's a credit to Stotts in that the way he empowers players, I think, allows players to be the best version of themselves. And so I, I think Stotts deserves a lot of credit for the first half too. Love it. Love it. All right, guys, you, you want to finish? You want to finish? This I, I was up, just hey? going to say that to further help Jared's point, it, he looked at players who are currently on the roster. Look at guys who aren't on the roster anymore, mm. like Al Farouk Amino and Maurice Harkless. What have those guys done since they were starters in Portland on back-to-back seasons when they were a three seed? Those guys have done absolutely nothing since they left Portland. And so to, I think that just helps Jared's point of, Stotts believing in guys and getting probably more than a lot of coaches would out of some players. Oh, the, uh, the, the fire Stotts crowd isn't, isn't going anywhere, as you mentioned, no. man. But uh, for, for each win, I think about the Homer Simpson gif where he slowly backs into the bushes, you know, and yeah. if, if the Blazers <laughs> have a bad game, then you can reverse it and he comes back out slowly. That's kind of where we are with the uh, fire Stotts crowd. They're not going anywhere. Um, it just depends on the week, but right now um, it's it's really been difficult to to hate. And if you are, you're you're just pick uh, nitpicking and, and hating. 
So, guys, question number two. Who was the most important player to the Blazers in the first half besides Damian Lillard? All right. So you guys can't one-up me and say Damian Lillard on this question. See how see how I did that to you guys? Well yeah. done. Well yeah, done. There you go. Can't one-up me on that one. Uh, I really had a tough time picking uh, a dude. I went through about – there were three players, so I really gave consideration to but I'm going to go with Ennis Cantor, uh, the guy you've talked about. And Terry Stotts has mentioned how consistent Ennis Cantor has been for this team, how reliable he's been. Jared talked about in his in one of his headlines the idea that you had Trent Jr. and Cantor step in and fill the shoes of C.J. McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic. But at the center position, Harry Giles has also gotten injured. So it's literally just Ennis Cantor is their one center who's playing right now. And he's given them everything you could have wanted and more. In the 23 games since Nurt got hurt, he's averaged 30 minutes a game, 13 points a game, 13 rebounds a game. Uh, by traditional plus minus, there's only one player during that span on the Blazers roster with a better traditional plus minus than Cantor, and that's Robert Covington. Net rating by a player can be a little misleading because it's dependent on who you play with, but Ennis Cantor has the best net rating of any blazer during that 23 game stretch. He's been fantastic offensively and defensively. We always knew, you know, there are some shortcomings there, but as we saw in the game last night against the Kings, he has not been as bad as I think we thought he was going to be. And I think you can go back to even the Western conference finals run. He was with the blazers. He wasn't as bad as we thought he was going to be. There was at no point that can't play canter arrive when and during his first stint in Portland and it's been must play Cantor in his second stint here in Portland. And so, you know, his production is the same, whether they win or lose. I can't believe all the Blazers gave up in the three team trade to get Ennis Cantor this off season was Mario Hazonia guys. That was all they gave up to get Ennis Cantor. And he's providing them this type of production I'm going to go with the friend of the podcast, the non-Lillard MVP, Ennis Cantor. Yeah, I don't like it when we repeat answers, but when you're right, you're right. Oh, totally. Okay. totally. The Blazers have thrived in the first half of the season because of their offense. We know their defense, despite a few bright moments here and there, hasn't been very good. So even though I think I did consider players like Robert Cummington and Derek Jones Jr., who have been so good defensively, and I think they'll be really important to the Blazers' success going forward as they hopefully improve defensively once they're fully healthy. But I think in the first half of the season, the most important player besides Lillard has definitely been Ennis Cantor. And I think it's his consistency that's allowed the Blazers to overcome the loss of someone like Yusuf Nurkic, who was one of the two players that I thought the Blazers could not afford to lose this season and, and be able to survive that loss. You know, with Damian Lillard and Yusuf Nurkic, I just didn't think they could overcome that. Cantor is so skilled offensively. He's really efficient. He shoots 59% from the field. His offensive rebounding is really important. He averages 4.2 per game, which is second in the NBA. And that gives Portland a lot of second chances, which often turn into either easy putbacks, many times by Cantor himself, or open threes. And I think he's had, like Nate said, moments on defense too. Even though he has obvious limitations on, the, on that end of the court, what I appreciate about Cantor is that I know he's always going to play hard. He's going to give 100% effort every possession. Uh, Neil O'Shea, like you said, Neil Han, uh, uh, 
Nate, Neil O'Shea should win executive of the year for this trade alone. There you go. Because he gave up Mario Hazonia, that's it, and turned it into Ennis Cantor. And for the moment, Cantor responded to the trade by tweeting, home sweet home, I think it's been a perfect match. And so for me, he's number two behind Damian Lillard in this first half of the season. More Neil O'Shea love. Look at that. <laughs> I guess when things break the way they have for him, when things have gone Ooh. the way they have this year, you know, you can't help but give him credit for some of oh, the moves totally, he made man. this offseason. Otherwise, they would be struggling like they were last year if he doesn't make yeah, it. Yeah, does, it, it doesn't get much better than that. Nate, when, when you put together this question, I felt like you were testing me on this one. <laughs> I was testing you. I was testing you in multiple avenues because I know your instincts was going to be to go with Gary Trent Jr. or Carmelo Anthony. Oh yeah, I knew man. your instincts were going to lead you that way. So let's see oh, if you man. let's see if you went that direction or not. This, as you mentioned, was a very difficult question for yours truly because I wanted to go all in Gary Trent Jr. Man, um, I'm I'm so excited to see him continue to develop and improve and be a factor on this team. I think he's going to secure the bag this off season, but that's another discussion. The uh, the man has has proved his worth and that he. He is a really good NBA player and has stepped up with CJ McCollum out. With that said, Nate, when you are right, you are right. <laughs> oh man. I think there's only I think, one answer sweet. to this. I, I think Orlando's doing this so that those Ennis Canner haters will get off his back finally. <laughs> I think that's why Orlando's doing this. The uh, the, the, the Ennis Cantor fan base has, has been loving me lately. <laughs> there at you least go. The, the ones on Twitter. Um, so yeah, I, I think the, the only answer here is Ennis Cantor and I often suffer from recency bias and that 22, 21 game that he's coming off of against Sacramento was just a reminder of how important he was. And those key defensive moments that you didn't know he had in him, that was a big reason why they won that game. And why we're so up on the Blazers heading into the all-star break on this three-game win streak. But just the, the last five games, you know, 22 and 21, 11 and 14, 11 and 11, 11 and 17, 16 and 14. Like the man is just gobbling up boards. He is an elite offensive rebounder. That is his skill set. We knew that there might be some issues on defense, you know, he and to see him show glimpses of that, is, is the difference between winning and losing games when the Blazers are playing so many close ones. Like if he can come up with just situational defensive plays, that's going to help this team so much, but man, has he carried the load uh, to hear coach Stotts call him, you know, the most consistent player on the team is huge. Um, Stotts usually doesn't make those type of statements in the middle of a season uh, you know, after certain games, but it just shows you how reliable this guy has been. He's a hard worker. Uh, he's a tough competitor. His footwork, I think, is just so salty. And so it's it's been fun to watch him play. Um, and and clearly, um, he's a he's a good teammate and says all the right things when when we talk to him. It's hard to get him to talk about himself. Um, he often wants to talk about others comes off a 22 and 21 game and wants to, to mention how excited he is for Nurkic to come back whenever that is, because this team is, is going to be such a, a problem. Uh, I think he said they're going to bruise teams uh, when, when they come back and they're at full strength. So 
Um, I really like what he's doing. And, and Damian Lillard has, has said a lot of kind things with him about him recently too. And so he's just been in a good place. He's been better than we thought he could be. He's exceeded expectations. And that's why he deserves to, to have this headline behind uh, Damian Lillard on this topic. I mean, he, this is a guy who, I mean, the playoffs are different than the regular season. But with the Celtics last year and the Toronto and Miami series, so the Eastern Conference semifinals and the Eastern Conference finals, they played 13 games, the Celtics, in those two series. And Cantor played a total of 41 minutes in 13 games for the Celtics in the playoffs last year. And he comes back to Portland and does what he's doing for the Blazers right now. He said his goal was to be the best backup center in the league. You know, he's been among starters. He's been a good starting center for the Blazers this year. He's just far exceeded, I think, anyone's expectations for him this year. I think everyone kind of thought after last year, maybe his career, maybe that was going to be the beginning of the down trajectory for his career. And he came back to Portland and it's been nothing but up this year with the Blazers. Just remarkable first half for Ennis Kanter. Man, if, if Nurkic were able to come back soon, uh, be himself at, at, as a starter, uh, Cantor would deserve a lot of attention for six man of the year. Uh, yeah. if, there, if, if there's a way to even qualify because he may have started too many games because he's, he starts every game and yeah. he's, he's been the, the Blazers, you know, only center basically. But uh, he just deserves that, that type of attention for, for what he's been able to do here in Portland. And what makes him such a good backup is that he can thrive whether he's playing, you know, 15 or 20 minutes off the bench as a backup or whether you have to plug him in as a starter because your starting center is injured. It doesn't matter what role he's asked to play. He plays consistent, excellent basketball, especially on one end of the court, no matter what. And so he's been great. Man, I think I think he's he was averaging close to a double double when Nurk was healthy. To your yeah. point of, of yeah. even in limited minutes, he's producing. Guys, normally we do predictions, but since we're at the break, we're switching it up. And question number three is, what's the worst prediction you've made this year about the Blazers? What's one prediction you have for the Blazers the rest of the season? Who wants to take this one, guys? I'll go ahead and go first. Um, my worst prediction, and we're kind of keeping this focused on our Blazers predictions, not necessarily the ones that we made for the NBA as a whole, but mine was I chose Gary Trent Jr. as the Blazers player who would not live up to expectations. And at the time, I thought Ouch. my reasoning was pretty sound. I just thought Blazers fans were coming in expecting bubble Trent, and I didn't think he could live up to that level of production throughout an entire season. But seriously, shame on me because he pretty much has. If you look at the eight bubble games last season, he averaged 16.9 points and shot 57 or 50.7% from three. This season, he's averaging 15.2 points and shooting 44.6% from three. And as a starter, 18.1 points and 39.9% from three. And he's, you know, last season in the bubble, he averaged one and a half rebounds. 1.4 assists and 1.1 steals. He's averaging more rebounds this season. So those things that I've kind of critiqued him in the past that he doesn't do a lot else in the box score, he's getting a little bit better there. He's averaging 2.2 rebounds as a starter, 2.5, 2.5, 2.5, 2.5, 2.5, 2.5, 2.5, 2.5, 2.5, 2.5, 2.5, 2.5, 2.5, 2.5, 2
assists 1.5 overall, 1.8 as a starter, and his steals are right around one, just like they were in the bubble last season. So I was 100% wrong about Gary Trent Jr., and I apologize. I apologize to the listeners of this podcast. I apologize (laughs) to the entire fan base. I apologize to Gary. And most of all, I apologize to Orlando because I know my lack of faith in your guy really cut you deep, and I apologize for that. And we'll go to this. Oh, my, my heart was broken there, the man. After. Oh, man. What's so funny about that is so we went back. I went back this morning to see what we did say in that season preview podcast because we say a lot of things, guys. Yeah. We all know this. And so it, it was kind of cool to go back two months and see what we thought. And yeah, Jared, most disappointing or blazer who won't live up is Gary Trent. And I look at Orlando's blazer who exceeds expectations <laughs> and it's Gary Trent and Orlando won this battle, Jared. Well, that's why I had to apologize to Orlando too. <laughs> it's good to, to be lucky every, every now and then, but Nate, I, uh, I appreciate you going through and listening to the older podcasts and digging this up, man, because I had kind of forgotten a, a, about a lot of our predictions. And so when I read what Jared had said, I was like, Oh no, Jared, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. But uh, yeah, I'm good, interested, good stuff there. I'm interested to see what you say your worst prediction is Orlando, because you're, you're pretty straight on with your preseason predictions, man. Dude. Um, I, I, in terms of the blazers, I'm, I, I don't usually get this stuff that that right. Like <laughs> this is solid. This is this is a yeah. solid thing that I'm actually proud of. Like I don't get I hate doing predictions because I'm usually the guy apologizing and saying I me- I missed it, I messed up. Um so when I read that I was like, "Oh my goodness, I did say that. Thank you." Um I thought my my league predictions have been kind of trash, but um in terms of the Blazers, man, maybe you can tell me what what I totally I'll, messed up on I'll, because I'll, I'll nit I'll nitpick you if that's what yes. we're doing here. Please, please do so because yeah, the, my Blazer who exceeded expectations was Gary Trent Jr. The Blazer who I thought wouldn't live up to expectations would be Harry Giles, and that was because I didn't think he would get the opportunity. That's by default, I guess, because he got hurt. And yeah. obviously he would probably be thriving or, or at least would have been granted that opportunity at a, at a time like this. So it's a bummer that he's in this position. And, you know, saying that the Blazers would win 41 games and, and have the number four seed, um, there's still a chance for that. There is, but that's where the nitpick comes in here, my friend. 41 wins. So that means the Blazer, if they were going to win 41 games, they would win fewer games in the second half of the season where they have two more games. And at some point, assuming they'd be at full strength for most of it. So that's where the nitpick comes in, Orlando. The four seed, you may be right about. But the 41 wins, that may be a little low, my friend. I'm disappointed you didn't do better. Come on, man. They're on pace for 43 wins, Orlando. Yeah, you were that far off. How, how can you be off by two whole wins, man? <laughs> two whole wins. That uh, that upcoming schedule is is pretty tough. Uh, it, it, you could you could make the case yeah. that it's tougher than than the one they just experienced. I think I don't even think you need to make the case. I think you just yeah. straight up say it is. I don't think it would take much uh, influencing. So my Blazers related preseason predictions was I said they'd get the forty five wins, also be the four seed. So not terrible. I guess I'm off by two wins like you, Orlando, just on the other side. So uh, disappointed in myself then as well. I got to hold myself to the same standard as the great Orlando Sanchez. 
the blazer who wouldn't live up to expectations I said was Rodney Hood and that one has lived up to fruition I just thought the injury would be really tough for him to come back Uh, this is what I'm going to say is my worst prediction is the blazer who would exceed expectations would be Robert Covington Um, I thought he would come in and be the guy we've had flashes of him we certainly had it when they won eight of nine we've even had it over these last three games Uh, what was it against Charlotte Charlotte right where he scored the 21 points and made all but one shot so we've seen the flashes but it hasn't been there yet consistently and that's what I was banking on was he was going to be that type of guy consistently and Blazers fans would just be so happy to have that upgrade at the four position even with his offensive struggles I think Blazers fans are thrilled to have him at that four position but if he was scoring the way he, he can and has in the past then I think fans would really be big fans of Robert Covington, but it hasn't gotten to that point yet. So I guess that was my worst prediction about the Blazers before the season to this point. I think it's coming around though. I mean, you look at his last 10 games, he's, I mean, his defense has been phenomenal, you know, 1.7 steals and 2.5 blocks per game, but he's shooting 41% from three, seven rebounds a game, almost 10 points a game. I think that you're starting now to see the Robert Covington that, that we expected uh, coming into the season. There you go. I love that, Jared. Thanks for massaging my ego there. I love. And the only one who really had bad, <laughs> bad picks was me. Like, uh, I mean, I, I predicted way too many wins. I said Gary Trent Jr. was not going to live up to expectations, and I will say, uh, I said that Derek Jones Jr. would exceed expectations, and I don't know if he's exceeded them, but I think he's been pretty good. So. And the props I'll give you, Jared, as well is no one believed in Lillard to the level and to the extent that you did. <laughs> That's true. That's it true. just and wasn't not too far off, man. Yeah. I did it, pick him to win MVP. There you go. All right. So what was the second part of this thing again? There uh, are prediction for the Blazers for the second half of the season. Oh man. Are we keeping this positive here, guys? Are we go are we are <laughs> Yeah, we I will. I'm positive keeping it positive. Ta- okay, you can take ahead. it wherever you want, man. Go ahead. I told Jared. you I was gonna be positive. My prediction for, for the Blazers for the second half of the season is that they're going to be really good in the second half. If you look at the past five seasons, their record after the All-Star break is 81 and 40. That's a 67% winning percentage. So with that in mind, I'm going to predict the Blazers go 25 and 12 in the second half of the season and finish with a 46 and 26 record. But that's only going to get them fourth in the West because the West is so good this season. And also I'm going to predict that they sign Blake Griffin. Whoa, now that oh. Orlando's eyes got real big. You saved, you, you buried the lead, Jared. <laughs> I did, oh. but I didn't, want to, I didn't want that to be my big prediction. But I, I do think that they will end up signing Blake Griffin. He's I'm got sure. that connection with Neil Olshay. I think that he would like to go to a place where, one, he will know what his role is, which I think that the Blazers can tell him what his role will be. And I think that he'd like to go to a place where he can play with players like Dame, and CJ and in an offense like Stott's offense. And uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm on board with the Blazers signing Blake Griffin. I'm just saying, I think that that's, what's going to happen. And if you're looking for a place to revitalize a career, look no further than the place that now has Carmelo Anthony on their team and yep. has had him for almost two seasons. Now Orlando's face still is just, Dude, in... I, I'm trying, I'm trying to comprehend. Like I've already placed Griffin on the roster. I've started to make moves around <laughs> Like the rotation, I, I'm, I, I'm flashing back to like I don't know 2013, 14, like you know, Mello, 
Blake Griffin. <laughs> like, it's gonna what, it's gonna be what? an all NBA in the Blazers. <laughs> in the Blazers bench is gonna be 2013 all NBA team. Old Shea and the Blazers always get their man. There you go. I don't there even know go. how it worked because if you do look at the rotations, I'm not I'm not sure you know where he's been. But I do think the Blazers need depth in the post, and I think that he would help provide that. Oh, that's that's good stuff. I, I love predictions like that. Mine is like so soft. Uh, bring the cuddle yeah i'm I'm doubling down on on my fourth place uh prediction but also i think that cj comes back and is the same player after Mm -hmm. after breaking his foot i think he's gonna fill in and and come back and be that same guy that that the blazers needed him to be and was on the cusp of of all-star level performance so that's gonna be my my uh, big prediction is i think cj will deliver all right, and the theme of keeping this positive and not giving fuel for the fire stats crowd. I'm not oh, even gonna, I'm not even gonna go that come direction. On, not even that's a discussion. If if we're in a situation where that's a possibility, we'll talk about that plenty when that time comes. Um, you went with CJ Orlando. My prediction was gonna be this is gonna be the best use of Nurkic the Blazers mm. are gonna get moving forward. Uh, you know, his injury was a wrist injury. It wasn't a leg injury or anything like that. So in terms of basketball shape, I would expect he's in it. Uh, and I think seeing Ennis Cantor perform the way he has in the first half of the season, I can't help but feel that that's got to motivate Nurk in some way to be better than that, better than the guy he's been watching for the past two months. And so to me, that's my prediction is we're going to get the best use of Nurkic we've seen, and he's going to stay healthy through the remainder of the season. That sounds like Nurk fever. Bring like it back, it. baby. Bring it back. What was it? Four years later. Yeah. Mm. Bring it right on back. We're due. Well, guys, we, we've talked a lot about headliners and main events and the guys that are doing big things, but no one deserves the headline more than the one and only Max Barr. Guys. It is great to be back with a special all-star edition of Rip It. So in our last episode, Nate and Orlando, you guys tied with three out of five. Jared's still looking for the first win of the season. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's the headline of Rip It at this point. <laughs> We're looking for headlines. That should have been in my first half of the season. What was I oh, thinking no. in the first question? <laughs> you turned what into Nice Guy, Nate. You had your chance there. Here's my prediction for the second half. Jared picks up a win at some point. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe just one. <laughs> oh, man. That's a, that's a hot take there, Max. <laughs> Uh, so before we dive into the all-star questions, let's find out how you guys did with your picks last week. And we are going back to Blazers at Lakers. The question was, who will serve up more assists, LeBron James or Damian Lillard? All three of you guys went with Dame, which surprised me, to be honest. Lillard with seven assists in the game. LeBron also seven assists. Yeah. <laughs> push. We push that one. I'm shocked to hear that because literally, like, I don't know who made a shot for Portland in that game, especially in the second half. Like, no one made a shot. For he the passed to himself. Yeah, what, what happened there? <laughs> All right, Blazers versus Hornets. 
question was who will grab more rebounds between Robert Covington, PJ Washington, or rookie LaMelo Ball? Hmm. Orlando and Jared, you guys went with the rookie sensation. Nate, you stuck with Rocco. And this was Rocco. Uh-huh. Ten boards. Oh, yeah. Boy. Ten boards for Covington. Washington with three, Ball with six. Hmm. Woo. All right. On the board. Lamello. He's fun to watch. He, he was sure really is. fun to watch in that game. Moving to Blazers versus Warriors. The question was, who will make more three-pointers? Steph Curry or the combination of Damian Lillard and Nasir Little? That's right. I love this question. There was a, there was a little, there was a new rule to be added to the Lillard rule of Rip. Yeah, and this was just bizarre. Orlando and Nate, you guys went with Steph, but you guys said it was because it was Dame and another player involved. <laughs> so you guys were allowed to break your own rule of, of always going with Dame. Sounds I, like, it seems sound logic going on there. I, I was just completely befuddled. Jared, you, you took the bait. You went with Lillard and Little. Steph Curry, only 5 of 14 from 3 in the game. That's still 5 threes, though. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot. Lillard made 3 by himself. 3 for 10. Little, 0 oh for 2. Oh. oh it, it was sound. doesn't come through for me. <laughs> it was sound reasoning. Good addendum to the rule, Orlando. Yeah, yeah. Nice wrinkle. Nice wrinkle there. Congratulations to both of you. Oh, Blazers, Jared, this is not looking good for you. It is not <laughs> yeah. looking good for me. Blazers oh, no. versus right. Kings. The question, who will block the most shots in this game? Derek Jones Jr., Robert Covington, or Rashawn Holmes? Nate and Orlando picked Covington. And Jared, you went with Jones Jr. No love for my guy Rashawn Holmes, who had two blocks. Jones Jr., one block. Covington, three blocks. Oh, Roco hit me up <laughs> twice this week. That's <laughs> my guy. I think you might have a new rule, mate. Never yeah. picked against Covington. Yeah, yep. always pick Roco. I picked him last <laughs> week, too, and he got it for me. That's, That's right. He, you're right. He is picking it up over the last 10 games, Jared. You are right yes. about that. And the wild card question was, which team will the Blazers make the most three-pointers against? Lakers, Hornets, Warriors, or Kings? You guys all picked different teams. Nate, you said the Lakers. Jared, you went with Sacramento. And Orlando, you went with the Charlotte Hornets. Blazers only made 11 threes against the Lakers. The Charlotte game, the Blazers made 24 of 46 three-pointers. That's right. Crazy shooting. The the team record. Franchise record, Orlando. Yeah. Spoiler (laughs) alert. That was the the winner. They made made 14 against the Warriors and 15 against the Kings. But but going back to that Charlotte game, so you had Covington make five, Lillard make six, Carmelo Anthony made six. Just crazy shooting in that game. So that means... Orlando coming up big with the wild card question oh. to tie it again with Nate three out of five for both of you. Jared, sadly, <laughs> 0 for five limping into the all-star break. I said I was going to keep it positive this whole podcast. I, <laughs> I don't feel positive anymore. <laughs> I don't know why Orlando's like not vocally laughing because he's dying laughing right now. and No one can hear it. 
Man, this is like the worst slump in the history of this game. The the only thing that made it bearable that Orlando <laughs> tied me with the franchise record threes to, to stop me from winning a rip it this week is the fact that Jared got zero. It's the oh only thing that's making Man. this tolerable. Oh, that was such a gut punch. Oh, I don't know. I feel for you, Jared. I've, been, I've been trying to mix it up. Like, I, I just don't know. I'm just going to have to go against. No, I've tried going against my gut. There's just nothing. I can't do it. I'm just going to win just, again. You should just like pick whatever Orlando picks for a week and see how that, that, how that goes for you. Like, you won't win because you picked what he picked, but get on the board. At least I'll tie. Yeah. <laughs> something. Exactly. I'm sticking with my second half prediction, guys. I think at some point it's going to turn around for Jared. Oh, I remember, like, I think it was the first year that we did Rip It, and I had a pretty bad regular season, and then I tore it up in the Rip It playoffs. So I'm just going to think back to those glory days and see what I can do here. So, so Jared, Jared's just waiting for May to come around. Is what you're saying? <laughs> We're almost there. Yeah. Kind of. All right, guys. This is always one of my favorite Rip It games of the year. The All Star Rip It. Last year, Orlando won the All Star Rip It with four out of five. It was thanks in part to Aaron Gordon getting absolutely <laughs> robbed in the yeah. dunk contest yeah. by Judge Dwayne Wade. Yeah, it was. <laughs> giving, it was giving our steal. guy Derek Jones Jr. the win. It was literally the only thing I knew about Derek Jones Jr. when the Blazers initially <laughs> signed him was that was the guy who robbed me of a rip it victory, <laughs> which I think fed into your preseason prejudice. Ah, yes, mm. yes. Jones Jr. slightly. The truth well, comes out. You know, some of my concerns have been valid. Jared did finally celebrate the guy shooting thirty percent from three last <laughs> week, so some of my concerns still. He's been better. He's like Covington. He's been better the last couple weeks, but. All right, guys, let's get to it. First question, who will win the skills challenge? Now, let me give you the roster. Oh, I know. I, you don't even have to tell me the roster. I know who I'm going I'm with. Oh, yeah. right okay, at you, well, man. it's going with a new rule. We got Robert Covington, <laughs> Luka Doncic, Chris Paul, Julius Randle, DeMontis Sabonis, and Nikola Vucevic. Some heavy hitters for the skills challenge. What do you guys think? It's Roko. It's Roko. It's yeah. Roko. <laughs> Sorry, Luca. I'm going to go with Chris Paul. All right. I was basically going to go with whichever player you guys didn't choose between Chris Paul and Luca. So I'll take Luca. <laughs> there you go. All Roko. right. You got, man. You. I can't believe Orlando. He did you some solid this past week. Can you just turn I, your back like that? That's true, man. I, I've, got, really... I've got to wait. Well, what has Luca done for you, Orlando? Nothing, man. He was my MVP pick and look where we're at right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. Who will win the three point contest? Now in this event, we've got, well, we thought we had Dame, but he, he bowed out. So we've got Devin Booker, Jalen Brown, Steph Curry, Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell, and Jason Tatum. Man, every instinct I have is to pick Steph. Steph. Of course, yeah. That's every instinct. But I feel like he won't be taking it as seriously as some of these other dudes. I'm going to go with Zach Levine Hmm. taking it very seriously, and he wins three-point shootout he would be a dunk champ and a three-point shooting champ right right yeah, yeah. Well, wow. i wonder how, i wonder how many guys have done that that's yeah. interesting 
Well, okay, you guys. The other two of you can also talk, you know. I'm just staring at Orlando here. I want to uh, see which direction he goes. You know what? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on 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 the layup there, and I'll I'll take I'll take Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I, I'm gonna pass on Curry too, and I'm gonna take Devin Booker. Oh my gosh, Steph's gonna win, guys. Oh yeah, it's not even gonna be close. It's not even gonna be close. Steph's gonna win. Well, remember last year, Devin Booker. Basically, at the time, I think he set a record for the final round, and then Buddy Heald at the buzzer one-upped him. Yep. It was crazy. Yeah. That won you a question, Orlando. You had picked Buddy. So yeah. this could be a revenge tour for Devin Booker. You never know. All right, that next was question. A, that was a steal of a win last year for Orlando. Total asterisk on that whole thing. <laughs> no I way. Was, I was actually cheering for Buddy because of <laughs> There are no asterisks and rip it. That's right. <laughs> Next question. Who will win the slam dunk contest? I think I know where you guys are going, but we've got Anthony Simons, Cassius Stanley of the Pacers, who I have never seen dunk a basketball. I'll admit that. And Nick's rookie, Obi Toppin. I, uh, I'll take a step further on Cassius Stanley. I didn't know he existed until he was announced. Uh, it for this NBA dunk contest. And and he the only reason I'm going to remember him moving forward is because he loses to Anthony Penny <laughs> Simons. Slam dunk champion, my man. Is this a sweep, to, guys? Oh, yeah. I want to be able to enjoy this and, uh, and cheer for the local guy. Uh, so, yeah, g- give me Penny. I, he's going to represent for this part of the country, and and uh, people are going to find out who, who Anthony Simons is this weekend. Yeah, it's it's interesting that Simons is is a prolific dunker, except for he doesn't dunk that often in games. Mm-hmm. Um, but remember that one he had against OKC, I the do. baseline that was amazing. reverse. Oh man, yeah, I was watching this uh, this yeah. clip show of like dunks by the three contestants, and I was shocked that they didn't put that one in. But yeah, I I actually I think Cassius Stanley is a dark horse, and I I I'm think I'm going to regret not picking him because I think he's going to win, but I'm going to pick Anthony Simons. Wow. I'm shocked Jared didn't pick Obi Toppin. All, all Jared talked about in the draft last year was Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin. Yep. I know yep. big men have won the dunk contest before, but I, I never like it when they do. Nice. Okay. I think, I think Toppin has a disadvantage because he's too tall. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thund- thunderous dunker won't matter. Got to get the lift. All right, guys. I hope next. Simons wins. That would be amazing. Yeah, it would. Next question: Over or under eighteen and a half points in the All Star game for Damian Lillard? Over. I'll take the over too. He's he's gunning. Um, last year he performed well, I believe, and uh, when he gets the ball, he's shooting. Zag under. Mm. I have literally no reasoning for it. It just happens. <laughs> uh, Orlando, happens. I think or, two years ago, I think he had 21. Years? Yeah, last year he was hurt. Remember, he didn't. He was on Team LeBron but didn't play. There we but go. Yeah, right. two years. You're right. He did make, make a bunch of threes a couple of years ago. All right, guys, wild card question of the week. Will the All-Star Game MVP be a player from the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference? Well, this is a little bit complicated because the guys are all yeah. mixed up. Ah. I'm gonna go with the Western Conference. Let's uh let's take a flyer on the East. Let's do it. 
All right. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take the West, man. I, I hope that comes back to bite you, Orlando, and your betrayal of Robert Covington. I hope those two things cost you this year. Everything broke for you last year. It doesn't go your way this go-around. At least we can point to one question then, or maybe two, as, yes. to, why, as to why you told me so. Oh, oh trust me. Well, I will tell you so when that time comes. I will honor let, – let's put it this way. If I lose that Rocco – if Rocco is the reason why I don't win next week – I will honor the Roco rule, and I will not pick against Roco for the rest of the season. Ooh, wow! wow. That's a big commitment. That's there. Yep, wow, yep. big commitment. Even more interesting. It will be, especially when he's pitted against Carmelo and Gary Trent Jr. in a question and Dame. It's going to be a four-option question, and you're going to have to pick Roco. Oh man, Nate, uh, uh, Max. Max has all the power, man. He, he has the power to do it. <laughs> I don't know how I could, but. Uh, it's going to be a fun all-star weekend. I'm glad it's happening. And um, we'll find out how you guys did next week. Nay, I want to throw one stat at you to close this podcast out. It was pretty oh, funny when I, when I brought uh, up that Derek Jones Jr. had finally hit 30%. Oh, we're, three. we're getting petty, aren't He's we? Here? We're getting real petty. Now. He's up all the way up to 33%. Derek Jones Jr., oh, sharp man. shooter. Jared, I never thought you would come down to my level, and I'm so happy to see that you have. I, I'm so happy. I'm just you... showing love to Derek Jones Jr. Uh, I think you're. I think you're trying to prove yourself right, which is what I do most of the time. And I just love. I love this side of you, Jared. Can you blame? I can't me? believe you we see what this. I do and rip it every week. Yeah, I'm gonna win somewhere. We we finally. I finally broke him, guys. I finally <laughs> did it. Got him down to my level. Bravo, Jared. I'm a big fan of this. Just admit that you love Derek Jones, Jr. I, I, he has. Uh, I've enjoyed watching him more as the season has gone on. That's that's true. Yeah, we'll keep working at that. Yeah. Guys, it, it's been a lot of fun to do this podcast, but it's time to call it a week as we get ready for the second half of the season. Again, thank you guys so much for rocking with us, for picking up the, the podcast, for subscribing, for letting everyone know about it. Um, we appreciate you so much. I hope you guys are enjoying this as much as we are doing the podcast. We'll catch you guys on the next one. We'll try and be better than we were this week. Take care, everyone.